As we begin this morning, I just want to say how grateful I am for the two really fine sermons preached these past two Sundays in this sanctuary by our guest preachers, Ben Graber and Conrad Quiros. I'm grateful for these men, for their friendship, for their labors in our presbytery and on the mission field, and it was a pleasure, a joy to hear them instruct us in the scriptures these past two weeks. If you missed either of those sermons, I encourage you to go to our website and hear, um, hear it. Our sermon text this morning is Psalm 71, and was so wonderful for Conrad and Ben to continue on in our series. We'll continue in that series today as we uh, march through the Psalter. Psalm 71, it's printed for you on the back of your um, order of worship, starting right after the benediction and continuing onto the back page. We've already prayed Psalm 71 a few moments ago together. It's a fairly long psalm, I'll acknowledge, but I'm going to take the time to read Psalm 71 again anyway. Part of that is because I believe that when we hear the Word of God read publicly, especially when we're gathered together in worship as His people, God's Word does something to us. It affects us in a different kind of way. It works on our heart in a very different manner than if we simply read it silently in our minds to ourselves in our living room. So I'm going to read Psalm 71. And as I read it, I want to give you a little context that will hopefully be helpful for you as you listen. Uh, The first thing is to say, as I mentioned earlier, this psalm is, I think, quite obviously written by someone who is advanced in years, someone who is elderly, we might say, today. The author of this psalm is unnamed. It's unusual in this section of the Psalter in that way. And yet, by the way he speaks, it is clear that he is in the later years of his life, perhaps his 70s or 80s or 90s. So as you listen to this psalm, think of this psalm as a prayer, a testimony even, of an elderly saint, and focus your attention on how this saint speaks, the focus of his prayer that he gives us to pray with him. First, I encourage you to listen for how often the psalmist speaks of God's righteousness and God's faithfulness. It's a constant theme throughout this psalm. In the psalm, God's righteousness is essentially synonymous with his faithfulness because what the psalmist means by God's righteousness is his absolute commitment to keeping his promises. Listen to what the psalmist says about God's righteousness and faithfulness throughout this psalm. Second, I'd encourage you to listen to what the psalmist says about God's faithfulness to him from his earliest days, even from the days of his birth and his childhood, his youth, even actually from before his birth, the psalmist talks of God's faithfulness. This psalm has something important to tell us about God's care for us, even as unborn children, even as babies and little infants. Thirdly, listen to what this psalmist has to say to us about God's faithfulness to him even in his latter years, in his old age. This psalm also has something important to tell us about our dependence on God as we increase in years and approach the end of our days. Finally, I'd encourage you to listen what the psalmist says about his understanding of his vocation, his calling, 
as an older saint, what he says he will do in response to God's faithfulness. Namely, how he believes it is his calling to speak of God's love and kindness and faithfulness to others, especially to proclaim to the younger generation who God is, that he is the one who keeps his promises. Beloved, this is God's holy and inerrant word. It is more precious than gold, even much fine gold. It is sweeter than honey, sweeter even than the drippings of the honeycomb. Listen now to Psalm 71. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I have been as a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. For my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together and say, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed. With scorn and disgrace may they be covered who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you? 
You have you who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again. From the depths of the earth you will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. I will also praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, O my God. I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you. My soul also, which you have redeemed, and my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long, for they have been put to shame and disappointed who sought to do me hurt. Thus far, the reading of God's word, it is absolutely true. And it is given to you because your Father in heaven loves you. Let's pray. Blessed Lord, who caused all the holy scriptures to be written for our learning, now by your Spirit, grant us to hear this portion of your word and to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest these words that we might even more hold fast to the blessed hope of everlasting life which you have given us in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. As we begin this morning, I just want to take a moment to address the older members of our congregation, especially those of you in your 70s, 80s, and 90s, and just say, I am so thankful for you, so thankful for your presence among us week by week. As your pastor, I hope that you feel that gratitude for your presence. I genuinely mean this. I hope that you feel honored and loved and needed by your church family. Because we are so grateful for the witness that you bear to Christ, a witness that carries with it even more power because of the accumulated years of your life. I mean this. I'm grateful for you. Many of you know and remember Jeannie Davis, who died early in 2020 at the age of 88. She was a member of our church for so many years, decades and decades. In the last years of her life, especially after her husband Jerry died in 2016, I'd visit Jeannie in her home over in Richland Hills, just a, about five minutes from where I live. And she would say to me almost every time I came, it was like a little ritual we had We would talk for a while, catch up, small talk, and then she'd say, Josh, I just don't know why the Lord is keeping me here. I don't understand. She said, I, she would say, I miss Jerry so much. And she would draw it out, right, so much. And I don't know why the Lord has yet to take me home. She was so ready to go those last several years. And response, every time I'd say, Jeannie, I think it's because of us. I think the Lord is keeping you here for my sake. Like, I need this time with you. For our sake, as a congregation, you're here because we still need you. We need your prayers. We need, even more than that, your presence, your testimony, your example of faith. I think you're here still for these years because we need you. In the scriptures, the Hebrew word kavod is usually translated as glory. 
But literally, that word simply means heavy or weighty. And in that sense, the glory of these older saints, women like Jeannie, others whom you have known in your life, is their weightiness, the dignity of their faith. Their words are glorious because they come bearing the wisdom of years. I think this psalm, Psalm 71, has that kind of glory, that kind of weightiness. You see, this psalm begins in a way that is familiar to us, right? We've heard this kind of language before, even in the psalm before, Psalm 70. In the first four verses, the psalmist cries out to God for help and deliverance. And he calls God his rock, his refuge, his fortress. He says, in your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me, O God. Incline your ear to me and save me. But then in verses 5 to 9, the psalmist begins to reflect on his experience of God's rescue over the years. God's deliverance. Experience that gives him now the wisdom and faith that he needs to trust God again in this moment of crisis near the end of his life. Perhaps that crisis is even death itself. In verse 5 he says, For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. One of the benefits of old age is that you have a lot to look back on. You have more time, more experience to remember. More lived evidence of God's love and steadfast care. And that's what the psalmist is doing here. He is remembering how God has been faithful. His trust, he's been his trust, his hope, even from his earliest days. Then in verse 6, the psalmist goes even further back in his recollection. He says to God, upon you I have leaned From before my birth, right before I was even born, you are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. This verse, I think, is much to teach us about the spiritual capacity of children, even children in the womb. What does it mean for a baby to have faith in God? Not quite sure I fully understand what it means, but I imagine it's very similar to a way that babies have simple and profound trust and faith in their parents who care for them. In any case, the scriptures certainly seem to speak as though infants and babies are capable of and often have real faith in God. John the Baptist, of course, leapt in his mother's womb, right? Unborn child leaping, responding in his mother's womb to the presence of his Lord, his unborn Lord as well, in Mary's womb. And David in Psalm 22 says to God, he says, you made me trust you at my mother's breasts, right? Not when I turned 18 and I, you know, reached the age of where I understood these things. No, You made me trust you at my mother's breasts, David says. And this isn't just David's private prayer journal. This is the the corporate hymn given to Israel to sing. You made me trust you, Israel was to sing. The church is to sing at my mother's breasts. On you I was cast from my birth and from my mother's womb. 
You have been my God. And here in this psalm, there's another witness. The psalmist in Psalm 71 says he leaned on God. He trusted in God even from before his birth, in his mother's womb, that it was God himself who attended to his birth. In verses 7 to 8, the psalmist continues. He says, I have been as a portent to many, a sign to many. But you are my strong refuge. My mouth, the psalmist says to God, is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. He says, essentially, I can't stop talking about how faithful you are. The glory of your steadfast care and salvation. This emphasis, emphasis rather, on the importance of older saints speaking and telling of God's faithfulness is a fascinating one throughout this whole psalm. It keeps showing up. Listen to verses 15 to 18. The psalmist says, My mouth, speaking to God, will tell of your righteous acts, of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come, he says. I will remind them, that is others, younger people especially, I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. Even to old age and gray hairs, the psalmist says, O God, do not forsake me. Do not let me pass into death, is what he's saying, until... I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. The same theme is then picked up in verses 23 and 24 at the psalm's end. The psalmist says, My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, my soul also which you have redeemed, and my tongue will talk. Of what? What will their tongue talk of? This elderly, advanced saint, my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long. That is what, he says, his mouth will be full of. Testimony of the Lord's kindness and faithfulness and steadfast love. Now, older saints, of course, are more physically weak than they were when they were younger. It's part of living in this fallen world. Older saints are less active, less able to do the things with their bodies that they might once been able to do. But do you know what the special calling of older saints is? This psalm tells us, I think, it's to proclaim with their mouth, with their tongue, the faithfulness of God that they have experienced throughout their lives. It's one thing, right, and good, but just it's one thing. For a person in their 20s or 30s to bear witness to God's faithfulness. But there's also a sense in which, you know, you just haven't seen that much yet, right? You've yet to suffer as you will in the future. But when a man or a woman in their 70s or 80s or 90s just talks continually of God's faithfulness and God's goodness and God's kindness... Their words have a different quality, 
a different weight, a different glory. You need to know this, especially those of you who are older saints in our congregation. Beloved, do not discount the authority and power and responsibility that your words and your life carry even now. Because of your years, because of your experience, you have increased influence, increased potential to give testimony to the faithfulness of God in a way that is uniquely important and absolutely essential for the church of Jesus Christ. Do not discount that. It is a calling. It is a responsibility. When I was on sabbatical several years ago, I went to church a lot. It was like one of my favorite things about sabbatical. I got to go to church and not, you know, be up here. I had not only the opportunity to worship on Sunday mornings, but also to attend midweek prayer services as well. And so I did that. During the weeks in Florida that we spent, I went to church on Wednesday and Saturday and Sunday. And I got to know three different pastors at those three different churches. And each of those pastors were, I mean, the best, they were great men. But the best thing about them was that they were all significantly older than I was, than I am. Each of these men had been ordained for at least 40 years, like as long as I've been alive, basically. They've been preaching the gospel, right? Without scandal, without falling, just faithfully. They were all in their late 60s to early 70s. And I, I can't tell you um, what those men, their names were Paul and Jim and Dave. I can't tell you the impact that they made on me. Just to spend time with them, to hear them preach, to see them lead worship and prayer, to meet with them as I did each of them individually for a meal, and to listen to them speak of God's kindness and faithfulness throughout their lives and their ministries. And believe me, there, it was a totally different experience if I'd gone to three different churches and, and had pastors who were my age, right? Their words had a totally different weight, a totally different glory than they would have had if they had been younger. But why? Why is this true? Why are the words of the aged more powerful when they testify to God's faithfulness? I don't think it's simply because they have more years. I think it's also because people in this situation have learned what it means to trust God in the midst of suffering and difficulty in ways that those that are younger just probably haven't experienced. To live in this fallen world for decades upon decades means that you have become familiar with suffering. There's no other path, right, into the latter years of your life other than through suffering because of sin, because of this world, because of your sin and the sin of others, because of death. And because of that suffering over the years, you're then able to bear witness to God's faithfulness in a particularly powerful way. In verses 19 to 21, we read this. We read the powerful testimony of an aged saint who has been through the fire and trusts that God will deliver him again. Look at this, verses 19 to 21. The psalmist says, Your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens, right? Your faithfulness, your promise-keeping nature. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you, 
You who have made me see many troubles and calamities. Right? He's reflecting on the years of his life. You will revive me again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. Do you see what the psalmist is saying there? He is freely acknowledging God's sovereignty. right? God's hand in his suffering throughout the years. He is saying to God, you who made me see many troubles and calamities. But he says it is because he knows that God is the one who is sovereign over suffering that he also knows that God is the one who will rescue him from that suffering. You who have made me see many troubles and calamities, the psalmist says, you will revive me again. From the depths of the earth, you will bring me up again. And what's he talking about there, right? When you go down into the earth and need God to raise you, when you die, this is resurrection language. This is the testimony of a saint who knows that even death itself is nothing to fear. Because the God who has been faithful to him since his birth is also the God who will deliver him from death on the last day. The God who will raise his body from the depths of the earth. Friends, I think as we close, what I think this psalm shows us more than anything else, is the incredible potential that each of our lives carry for intimacy with God. There are so many things you can aspire to achieve with your life, friends. And man, in this culture, at this time and place in history, it's just like an open field, right, for every one of us. I mean, you know those things, right? Those things that you might want to aspire to achieve with your life. And most of them, many of them at least, are good things. But don't lose sight of the fact that they're not the most important thing. They're not. What I want you to see from this psalm, no matter your age, is that if God is gracious to you and grants you a long life, there is incredible potential to become someone who is holy. Someone who has been conformed to the image of Jesus Someone who knows God, like knows God, right? Not just knows about God, but knows Him. Someone whose life and bearing and speech exudes grace and humility and compassion and love. It is possible by God's mercy and the work of the Spirit to be that kind of person. That's what this psalm shows us. It really is. And it only happens in one way, through long discipleship over the years of your life, through suffering and disappointment, through struggle and sin and forgiveness. That's how it works. This is the Christian life. There are no shortcuts, I promise you. As we close this morning, I want to read a quotation from a letter by a 19th century pastor named Phillips Brooks. Uh, This man, if you've heard his name, it's probably because he's most famous for writing the Christmas hymn, O Little Town of Bethlehem. So he's in our hymnals. But he's also just a man who was a pastor and knew over his life the intimacy of union with Jesus. 
And when Phillips Brooks was an old man, close to the end of his days, he wrote these words in a letter to his friend. He says to his friend, presumably a friend who's a peer in his age, he says, it has seemed to me that these last years have had a peace and fullness which there did not used to be. I mean, that's just so good for me to read, right? As a man in my 40s. Like, there's a peace and fullness which there did not used to be. He says, I do not think it is the mere quietness of advancing age. I am sure, he wrote, that it is a deeper knowledge and truer love of Christ. And he says, and it seems impossible that this should have come in any way except by the experience of life. I find myself pitying, Brooks writes, the friends of my youth who died when we were 25 years old. This is probably the Civil War he's referring to. I pity them, he says, because whatever may be the richness of the life to which they have now gone, they can never know that particular manifestation of Christ which he makes to us here on earth at each successive period of our human life. That's something to ponder. The grace, the gift it is to know Christ in a new way in your 30s, in your 40s, in your 50s, in your 60s, in your 70s, in your 80s, in your 90s. He appears to us in different and new ways. Brooke says, all experience comes to be but more and more of pressure of his life, that is the life of Jesus Christ, on ours. It does not come by one flash of light or one great convulsive event. Brooks wrote these words in the time of revivalism in the 19th century, when there was so much searching after that one experience. He resisted that. He says, it comes without haste and without rest in this perpetual living of our life with him. And all our history, all our changes of circumstance, all our changes of thought gets its meaning and value from this constantly growing relation to Christ. He says, I cannot tell you to his friend how personal this grows to me. He is here, our Lord Jesus, he means. He knows me, and I know him. It is no figure of speech. It is the realest thing in the world. And every day makes it more real. And one wonders with delight what it will grow to as the years go on. I mean, what if that's a picture of your life, right? The longer you have to live, the better you can know Jesus. Beloved, if the Lord gives me those years, this is what I long for. It's what I want. And I hope that you do too. To be able to speak of God and of my life with Him in the way like Brooks does, like this psalmist does. With the maturity and the glory that can only come by the Spirit working over the decades and decades. And to be able to say near the end of my days with the psalmist, my mouth will tell of your righteous acts. 
of your deeds of salvation all the day. For their number is past my knowledge, right? I can't even remember all of them. O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I do this, until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, grant us this grace and mercy and gift by your Spirit. Grant us, Father, the grace to know you, to advance in the years in our life with Christ. And particularly for those who are in that stage of life, Father, near the end, near the latter days. Grant them, Lord, the grace to proclaim for us, for our sake, the glories of your faithfulness. We pray it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.